Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And so the whole family was going, but his wife doles out the cash, see? So she says to him, no money for you, Reuben. He says, why not? He says, because my money is for my kids and you're not one of my kids. (laughs) Poor guy. So anyway, um, his daughter gave the money. So he's going to Jerusalem on, on Wednesday for a couple of weeks. Anyway, so he's going to be there. And he was telling me, he said, all of my relatives are millionaires, multimillionaires, and I have nothing, he says. You know? <laughs> anyway, so I told him, I said, Reuben, I said, when you go there, you will be the poorest person and they will be the richest person. He says, yeah, that's right. And I said, but really, Reuben, you will be the richest person and they're the poorest people in that group because you have the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jacob here, he doesn't look like he, you know, he doesn't, he's not in a very comfortable, luxurious house and, and stones for pillows. But by contrast, here lies Jacob, totally exposed in the cold desert with stones for pillows. And that person in that most luxurious house would gladly trade places with Jacob exposed on that stone if he could have a dream like that. If he could have a dream like this, there's Jacob in the most helpless, vulnerable situation, and he's got this glorious dream that happens to him out there. What happened? What happened to Jacob out there that night? Well, what happened is really described by Balaam. Balaam said in Numbers 24.4, he that hath said which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes opened. You'd think Jacob, he's fallen into this deep sleep. His eyes are closed. No, his eyes are open, just like Balaam said. Jacob fell into a trance, having his eyes open. So what happened that night is described by Moses in Deuteronomy 4.36, which is a great verse for us to take to heart. Out of heaven, he made thee to hear his voice that he might instruct thee. That's a wonderful verse. That describes what happened to Jacob. That's a great verse to lay hold on when you sit down in the morning for your quiet time with God and say, oh God, I'm gonna pray the prayer of Deuteronomy 4.36, which says out of heaven, he made thee to hear his voice that he might instruct thee. And we would say, Lord, out of heaven, make me to hear thy voice that you might instruct me. That's a prayer to start a a morning devotion time with. Out of heaven, make me to hear your voice that you might instruct me, Deuteronomy 4.36. Now, what was seen in this dream is very unusual. What was seen in these verses 12 and 13? What was seen in the dream is so astounding 
that there's one word that's used to emphasize the astoundingness of what was seen, and this one word is used three times. What's that word? What word is used to express the astoundingness of this dream? It's used three times in verses 12 and 13. The word hine, behold. See, the description of what Jacob saw in this dream is described by behold, hine. You know, verse 12, behold, a ladder, hine, a ladder. Verse 12, behold, the angels of God, hine, the angels of God. Verse 13, behold, the Lord stood above it, hine, the Lord stood above it. See, this dream is so surprising, it's so astounding that it's a hine this and a hine that and a hine over there. (laughs) It reminds me of my little granddaughter, Kate. She has a very limited vocabulary. You know, water is wah-wah, that's about it, you know. But there's one word that she uses all the time. You know what that word is? Wow. (laughs) And you show her, say, Kate, here's some new shoes. Wow, she says, you know. Kate, here's the swimming pool. Wow, you know. Kate, you want to go to sleep? No. But this is what these three times that this word is, behold, is expressing in verse 12 and 13. It's a wow, this, and a wow, that, and a wow, over there. And the first wow, or behold, or hine, in verse 12, is the word, and behold, a ladder. Wow, a ladder. How amazing is that? Jacob saw a ladder. I mean, think about that. Behold, a ladder, in verse 12. I mean, you know, think about a ladder, you know. What happens without a ladder? Well, if you don't have a ladder, you can't get up somewhere. Without a ladder, you just kind of longingly desire to get there. You know, without a ladder, you got frustration without a ladder. Now, I want to go up there, but I can't because I don't have a ladder. So what do I do? I don't look and live. I look and long (laughs) now that I can go up there. Looking long, that's terrible words. And you can't get there because you don't have a ladder. Without a ladder, you're looking long because the ladder gives you access. You know, last week the air conditioning went out. There's a main server in the house with all the computer equipment and so forth, and it's in the attic, and it gets hot, and it needs the air conditioning to run on it. So I needed to get up there, get a fan on that equipment. It was urgent, and I couldn't get up there without a ladder. That's the story of my life. I'm always battling gravity. If it wasn't for gravity, I could just jump right up there. But anyway, I had no access without a ladder. But Clint put in a ladder. See, that's the great name for the word ladder, access. Access. The ladder allows access. That's a wonderful word, access. The Bible talks about how wonderful that word is, access. Because it describes the Lord Jesus Christ three times with the word access. It says in Romans 5, 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, rejoice in the hope, glory of God. Ephesians 2, 8, for through whom we have both access by one spirit unto the Father. <laughs> Ephesians three twelve, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. See, the Lord Jesus Christ is our 5-2 by whom we have access. See, that means that without the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no access. Our access to God is only 
by him. That's why that one word is very important, by. By whom? By whom we have access. It tells us, Romans 5, 2 tells us, there's no access to God without the Lord Jesus Christ. The same message as John 14, 6, where Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man has access to the Father except by me. By whom? Romans 5, 2. Coming to the Father is all about access, and without the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no access to the Father. Ephesians 2, 18, through whom, not by whom, but through whom we have access. We only have access to God when we come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're told about what it means to come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ in a verse that's already been emphasized in the service before in Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. See, we have access to God because we have redemption through his blood. We have access to God because we have forgiveness through his blood. See, Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Verse that Tim quoted earlier. We have access to God because we have peace and reconciliation through his blood. And the last, so we've done the by whom we have access, we have the through whom we have access, and now we have the last one in Ephesians 3.12, which is the in whom we have access. It's only if we are in the Lord Jesus and he is in us that we have access. He stands at the door, he stands at the door of the heart, he knocks at the door of the heart. He calls, to, for the, he calls outside the door of the heart. Any man hear my voice? And then if the person responds, opens the door of the heart, he comes in, permanent resident, live in the person. See, I got access to the attic by the ladder through using the ladder when I was on or in the ladder. <laughs> and in the same way, our access to God is Romans 5, 2, by Christ, Ephesians 2, 18, through Christ, Ephesians 3, 12, in Christ, by, through, in. The latter gives access by, through, on, or in. The latter gives access. All right, but then there's the next step. After access, there's a word, another wonderful word, which is the word approach, approach. Blessed, this says in Psalm 65, 4, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. When we receive Christ, God causes us to approach. And when we approach, we are able to dwell with God and to be satisfied with God something that was never possible before in our B.C. days, before Christ days. Jeremiah 30, verse 21, their nobles shall be of themselves and their governors shall proceed from the midst of them and I will cause him to draw near and he shall approach unto me. Who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me, saith the Lord? See, God asked the question, who is this person who has engaged his heart? Okay, he's the one who's gonna approach God. See, to that person, God will cause him to approach God. 
See, how's the person described who God is looking for? The one who engages his heart. The word engage, that's a wonderful word, the transmission of the car, engage the transmission, and the, the car goes. And it makes, I mean, it should be that way. I mean, I have this 1987 Volvo that makes a lot of noise, has 300,000 miles on it, but it doesn't go anywhere. But anyway, it does make noise. But a person can say he wants to know God, he wants to approach God. That's like an engine that makes a lot of noise and doesn't move. But if he's really looking for those who have engaged their heart by moving forward with reading and studying God's word, the Bible, coming to church, going to Bible study, and so forth, even if it costs your life, sees that that person, he says, I will cause that person to approach to me. See, and you can't do this without God causing an approach. Why? Because in 1 Timothy 6.16 describes God as who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man have seen, no man can see, to whom be glory and honor. And Numbers 4.19 says, but thus do unto them that they may live and not die, that they approach unto the most holy things. It's dangerous to approach God without blood. See, a ladder makes it possible to enter. The Lord Jesus Christ could have just as well said, I am the ladder, when he said in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter, he should be saved and should go in and out find pastor. Because of his words, by me, nothing that by him a person enters in heaven, he's like, no one does that just without a door. Otherwise, heaven's an inaccessible place. Otherwise, heaven's an inaccessible place without a ladder. The ladder, the door, access. He is the ladder. The Lord Jesus Christ is the ladder. He's got one foot on earth, He's behold the man, his humanity, his humiliation. The top of the ladder, divine. He's God, all the while making intercession up and down the ladder. He's the only ladder to heaven. If a person tries to go to heaven by any other way, then John 10, 1 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth in not by the door of the sheepfold, but by climbing some other way, he's the same as a thief and a robber, that's it. To see the Lord as the ladder with his foot on earth and heaven is the picture that he spoke about himself in John 1.51 when he saith, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, upon the Lord Jesus. See, what's he doing at the top and the bottom of the ladder? Reconciling. That's what he's doing. That's Colossians again, 120. Having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, whether it be things on earth or things in heaven. Ephesians 1.10, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth, even in him. So the latter talks about a connection between heaven and earth. So when it says, behold the latter, This is another strong indication that Sheol, or hell, is not the end of man. Man can go to heaven if he has peace with God, from Romans 5.1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1.20, as we already said, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile. So we had a memorial service here yesterday for Dawes, and I said Dawes used to sit right over there. And I said, Gordon used to sit there next to Irene. Of course, where else would he sit? And Jim used to sit up, stand up there. And I said that this room 
is kind of like a bus stop. And we're all waiting for the bus. And a bus pulls up, and someone's name is called, and then they get in the bus, and that person's no longer with us in the bus stop. Where's he gone? On the ladder to heaven. So a ladder is seen from heaven in this picture to earth. Speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ who came from heaven to earth. A ladder is seen as from earth to heaven. That speaks to us of prayer. In Revelation 8, 4, the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God. That speaks to us of praise. Hebrews 13, 15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice, the offering that rises up, of praise to God continually, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Why is a ladder needed? Why do we need a ladder? Between heaven and earth, because there's a separation between heaven and earth, because heaven is closed, because communication has been cut off, because contact with heaven has been stopped. What caused that? Isaiah 59.2 tells us, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you. He will not hear. See, the contact's been lost. The communication has been gone because your iniquities, your sins, So what's the ladder do? Reestablishes the contact. The ladder brings Jacob in contact with heaven. The ladder reconciles Jacob to God. The ladder establishes communication between Jacob on earth and God in heaven. The ladder is like a mediator. The ladder is like a reconciler between sinful man and heaven, like we talked about in John 151. The ladder has a mediator at the top, the Lord. Who is that? 1 Timothy 2, 4, and 5. The Lord, speaking of the Lord, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The ladder has an object at the bottom of it. Who is that? Jacob. He's there teaching us that Jacob is the object of God's mercy and attention below. Now let's consider the next phrase. Behold, the ladder set up on earth. See, this was a ladder that was set up. See, this is not a ladder that Jacob saw. Oh, look, there's a ladder over there. I'll just go run and get that ladder, and I'll set it up. You know? No, when he saw it, it was already set up. Who set it up? God. This was God's intention to set up a ladder on earth, and that's why the ladder is called the ladder that's set up. See, in Psalm 68, 20, it says, he that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto the Lord God belong the issues from death. Isaiah 46, 13, God talked about setting up this ladder. He says, I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. See, Isaiah 12, 2, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust, not be ashamed. The Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Now it says, it makes a point here in this passage to say, the top of it reached to heaven. That's a great word, reached. Boy, it's terrible to have a ladder that's too short. I have some of those. Haven't fallen off it yet. If I do, you can attend my memorial service. Uh, But the top of it reached all the way to heaven. It reached all the way up there. And God wants there to be a ladder that reaches all the way to heaven for man to reach God. It didn't fall short of heaven. It reached all the way to heaven. 
The ladder was not too short. The ladder reached from earth to heaven. John 1.14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The latter speaks of the Lord's incarnation. Behold a ladder, Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself a ladder, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Again, one God, one mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5, the man Christ Jesus. Now we see the second, wow, Kate, wow, behold, verse 12, the angels of God ascending and descending. Where have we seen angels before in Genesis? Where did we see some angels? Garden of Eden, right? Preventing man from, man has now sinful, Worst thing that can happen to man, he lives forever in his sinful state like the demons and Satan. Don't touch that tree of life. So I've got some angels to keep him back. Say it. The birth of, okay, birth of Jesus I was talking about in Genesis. In Genesis, remember the two angels that came to Sodom at evening and Sodom sat in the gate in Genesis 19.1? See, verse 12, but in verse 12, I mean, how do you picture angels? You know, you, you think angels of hovering, you know, Wings flapping like hummingbirds over your head, you know? (laughs) They're not hovering and flapping and flying here. They're ascending and descending down this ladder. The word for angels here is malak, malak. And to see what this word means, we have to look at Genesis 32, 3 and 6, and I'll show you. And Jacob sent messengers before him. Jacob sent malakim, malak to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the, the country of Ed, and commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau. The servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourn, sojourned with Laban, stayed there until now. I have oxen, asses, flocks, men servants, women servants. I sent to tell my lord that I might find grace in thy sight. And the messengers, the malakim, the malak, the messengers, not to be confused with mazek. That's not what it says. It's malak. The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, he cometh to meet thee four hundred men. So here Jacob has a very important message to send to Esau. He's returning from being with Uncle Laban, and he's got animals and servants, and he's sending to Esau a present, and he's asking Esau, Can you bury the hatchet? And Jacob sends messengers, and those messengers then return with information for Jacob, that Esau's coming with 400 men. He's so happy to see you with me for a minute. In both cases, the messengers in Genesis 32 are the term malak, which is the same word used for angels. So we call them angels. We might as well call them messengers from the Hebrew. And the concept between the malak or the angel is the same concept as behind a prophet. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. You're invited to Christmas Under the Stars at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, Saturday, December 12th from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Activities for the entire family, including a live nativity, caroling candlelit museum tours, ornament making, cookie decorating, star exploration, and a special Star of Bethlehem message by guest Paul Taylor. Join us for this family-free Christmas event at the Creation Museum, 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org. Looking for an exciting career in the medical field or biotech industry? Join Scanabody's Biologics, founded by a Christian businessman, Tom Cantor. It's a premier company dedicated to advancing patient care and serving the community of San Diego. Scanabody's has global operations and over 700 employees and growing. And if you have a heart for people and a desire to join a leading biotech company, call us 619-258-9300, 619-258-9300, scanabodies.com, that's scanabodies.com. 